where we are the resistance. Eric, I love that music. I mean, it just, it just fires me up. Every time we go to do one of these episodes, I, I don't tell anybody this, but even sometimes around the house, if I'm working out or something, I'll put that music on. I don't know what it is. But, man, today is going to be fun. This is part two of the uh, the Big Five Man Killers that we're going to be talking about. And it's part two of, of episode um, with the uh, lack of purpose. But before we get started, and today is going to be really exciting. This is going to be one of those edge of your seat episodes. But Eric, do we have uh, a question come in today? Or Yep, I have a question. Uh, Steve out of Connecticut wants to know, Are there is there a like a big list five, but for birds of prey? <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I think for me, just turkey. I mean, birds of prey, I don't know that you would consider them like a turkey vulture. I mean, they're a carnivore. But, you know, I mean, owls are protected, eagles are protected, hawks are protected. So I'm not exactly sure. Well, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think he means that you would hunt, but that are dangerous that oh. in the wild that, you know, can be a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, wow. I, I've i never had a, you know, the only problem I've ever had with birds, we call them camp robbers out in Colorado. You'll be, you know, you set up your little tent and everything, and they'll come down and take anything they can fly away with. They're, yeah. they're not they're a pest, which is interesting because today's, episode is is going to take place in Colorado. It's going to be fun. Perfect. Well, man, so let's let's kind of set the backdrop where we're going to be here today. And and again, if if you're tuning in maybe for the first time, maybe you started with this episode, um man, if you're on Spotify or whatever, make sure to give us a like, a follow, um, you know, give us a rating whatever. We're glad you're here, glad you're listening. But we're going to be setting this this episode up in Colorado. And this is like a we're going to be talking about purpose, but what we do each week is we take some crazy story, as you're going to hear another one today, from the wilds, and then we bring it back to the home front where we all live. And we just kind of make one, you know, morph into the next one with real life issues. So I met a guy named Fred Bear. I think it was 1969. It was in the spring of 69. I was eight. My dad took me to, to go hear him speak for a wild game dinner, which I do a lot of those now. Um, he had a big influence. My purpose that I do now, a lot of that was born clear back then watching him. He, it excited me to hear, you know, his life and death stories from around the world and doing this all with like a, a traditional bow. And I've been shooting for bear archery, you know, since 2006. And that's one of the biggest reasons why, because he had a big in, uh, influence and purpose in my life. So this story, um, we're going to be down kind of like in the, the south central uh, part of Colorado. And now, the guys that know me know I'm a big hunter, big bow hunter. You know, I'm not really a gun hunter. I do everything with a bow. I love, you know, got to get them close. Don't be seen, heard, or smelled. That's the whole game. And one of my sponsors um, is, a, is a company called Atsco, and they make, you know, a waterproofing snow seal. A lot of you guys know that. They also make uh, scent control products that you can, you can spray on your clothing. And I always pack my hunting clothes you know, in, in, in uh, like those rubber tubs, plastic tubs, whatever, so they don't get any other smells. You know, I wash them in something that gets rid of all the, the human bacteria, and then I store them in something that won't allow uh, for any smells to get in. Because this trip, you know, I'm going to be hunting elk, but I also have a bear tag. Now, just a short time before this hunt, a buddy of mine ended up shooting a bear that was tagged. Now, if you know what it means, if they're tagged, it means they were a problem. 
and they had to be relocated because they were a danger to the people around. So I, I knew that there had been some bears in this area that had been relocated because it's, it's pretty remote. There's no people really living much around this, 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 these parts. So we're getting up, and it's the first morning you know, of the hunt, and I had a, a hunting blind, and I wanted to, to carry it up this mountain. Now, we're starting off at about 8,500 feet, and I was carrying this, this blind up to probably 9,500 feet, probably 1,000 feet higher. And I, I set this blind up over a wallow. Now, if you don't know what a wallow is, you know, a wallow is a muddy spring area with, with water and mud. And the elk, um, you know, they love to get down and roll in the mud, especially in the summertime in the heat of the day. And you can, that's why many times you can smell an elk if they get close enough because they've been rolling in the mud. So I set this blind up. A hunting blind is something, you know, you take it, it's in a bag, and you pop the hubs up, and it opens up. It's like a little little tent you get inside of with little windows that you can you can open up, and you wear black on the inside so that they can't see. You can't. I mean, if you've ever stood on the outside, you have it set up right, you cannot see the person on the inside. Pretty cool. So I, I set this blind up, and I've got it all brushed in. I've got, you know, oak scrub and everything I'm taking, clipping, and I'm, I'm draping it over this thing. And I've got some, some burned-out logs that I've got pulled in front of it because there had been a massive fire just the year before go through this entire valley. I mean, the flames were like 100 feet high. And so what that does is, yes, it burns up a lot of the trees and the scrub, but it makes it really green. I mean, a lot of new fresh grass is growing, so you get the, uh, the, uh, the elk moving, moving through here. So I get this thing set up, and I thought, you know what? I don't like hunting uh, out of a blind the first several days. Animals have to get used to it. So I set the thing up, and I, I hunt, you know, for the next four, actually four or five days in a diff different area. But it was the last morning of the hunt, and I hadn't harvested anything yet. And I decided to go back to this blind. Now, inside the blind, I've got a, like a scent control bottle with spray that I'll spray to, to you know, to get rid of my odor. And I've got a chair in there, and I have a, a pop-up elk decoy, and I'm going to have all this stuff, and I have it inside the blind. So I get up that morning at, I don't know, probably about 4.50 in the morning, and because I really am anal about all the stuff I do when I'm hunting, I, I go outside, and I've got my, my gear all put in this thing. And the other guys are still finishing up their coffee and breakfast, and I'm going to be, because I've got to walk quite a ways that day. So I'm outside, and I get all my hunting stuff on. I get sprayed down. Now... I brought a rifle along because on the very last day of the hunt, one of the things we do is if we're not going to be going back out, say we've filled our tags already, we've got the animals that we're, we're going to be hunting, we'll take rifles and we'll shoot and see who can be the most accurate, you know, three, four, five hundred yards out just for fun. So I've got my gun case sitting there. And as my buddies walk out, they said, why are you still here? We figured you'd be gone by now. And they look over and they see my bow case open and they see my gun case open. They said, why is that open? I said, you know, I said, I'm hearing this voice. And it's, it's telling me, you need to take your gun. And they said, why would you take your gun? You're a bow hunter. Your sponsorships are all in archery. I said, I know. Go figure. And so they, they leave and walk off, and I'm still here. And I'm, I'm arguing with this voice, going, why would I take my gun? But I, again, like the story where we talked about the cabin glacier, I heard that voice. I knew the voice. I knew it was God telling me. But I... Now, here's the thing. With the bear tag that I had, now with elk, I could only bow hunt. This is in September. But if you're hunting black bear at the time, you could do it with a rifle, which I wasn't going to do, but I could carry it. And so finally, I come, I come up with a compromise with, with this voice, and I say, fine, I'll take both. 
So I grab my bow, I grab my rifle, and I head off. Now, it's dark out, right? I've got to get to this blind. I've got quite a ways to get there. And as I'm walking up this, this back path behind where we're, we're, we're uh, camping at, it's, it's going around a little pond, and, and the trail splits. Now, I could go one of two ways. I could go to the left or go to the right. The right is much easier going. But the left kind of takes a back way around this, this main path, and it's rocky, makes noise. There's oak scrub that's grown over it, and it's going to take a lot longer. And I don't have much time. So I immediately go to the right, and this voice says, hold on. I want you to go to the left. And I almost laughed, and I went, seriously? I said, that's going to take a long time. I said, and this is the animal's bedroom. I'm going to leave skin cells on these branches and make noise. And the voice says, do you trust me? And I'm like, fine. I go to the left, and I'm walking up this narrow, noisy path. And as I finally get back out to the main path, I, I, I want to hurry up and get across this thing and get to the next. There's, a, there's three splits in the trail that happen on the way to this blind. I get to split number two. And I'm going as fast as I can. And I want to go to the right because, see, we've pruned all this. We've, we've moved branches and logs and, and, and stones, everything, so we can be as quiet and as scent-free as possible. And I try to hurry before I hear the voice again. And I hear the voice say, slow down. I want you to go to the left. And I'm like, come on. And now I'm, I'm getting cocky, right, with God because I, I know this is his voice. And I say, listen, I got you know, scent control sponsors. I know what I'm doing here, blah, blah, blah. And he says, and he says to me, do you trust me? I'm like, fine. So I go to the left and I'm, I'm irritated by now. And it's, it's so overgrown. I'm having to hold this, you know, my gun and my bow up in the air to get through this stuff. And I'm making all kinds of noise and it's beginning to get light. And I'm mad because you want to get where you're going before light because animals move in those first, you know, minutes of, of daylight. That's when they're, they're going back to their bedding area. And so I get to the, the last split in the trail, and I don't even ask. I just go to the left. I said, I know you want me to go to the left. Fine. So I get to the blind, and when I walk up on it, I, it it's, it's getting light, and I look at this thing, and I'm going, what is up with my blind? As I look, as the light's coming up, my blind is flattened like a pancake. And I knew it wasn't the weight of the oak scrub I had draped over the top of it. it this was, I mean, the hubs were snapped. I mean, there's, there's, there's uh, fiberglass hubs and everything. It's, it's totally flattened. And I look in front, and I see on the ground a still steaming pile of bear dung. And I knew exactly what had happened. I walk around the back. The whole back is torn open. My elk decoy is about seven yards away with big bite marks all through it. My scent control bottle, the, 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 the animal had bitten through it, and it's all empty. My chair's five yards away. So I get in the back of this thing, and I'm trying to pop the hubs and trying to you know, manage something, salvage, if there's any time left, because the only place I was going to hunt that day. And as I'm trying to get this thing back together, I lay my gun down on my right, lay my bow down on my left, and as I finally get a little bit of a, of a shooting lane opened up through this, you know, torn blind, I look out the, the front of the window, and I, I'm, I'm kind of trying to see where, you know, the animals might be coming from, and I hear this ding on my phone. And I, and I look down, realize I hadn't turned my volume down, and I get on. It's my buddy who's three hours away at his, his house back in Parker, Colorado. And he says, hey, you seen anything? I said, no, I just got to my blind. And I said, it's 
torn apart. I said something had my my decoy, you know, bit up and 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 drug away in my chair, my scent control bottle. And he's like, yeah, it's trying to give you a message, isn't it? And I said, yeah. I said this. There's no doubt. This was a this was a bear. So. I'm messaging him, and I, and I actually have, this is kind of funny, I actually have the, the recording. You know, I, I say, or the, the, the text messages, I said, I got to my blind 10 minutes ago, and the bared flat didn't pull everything out. And he responded by saying, LOL, he doesn't like you. So then he says, he's sending you a message, and then we begin to talk about elk. He says, are you hearing any more, you know, bugles? And I say, yeah, up on Moonshine, which was across the valley from us. One minute later, on the timeline, on my text, I say, Payback, baby, dead bear. He says, you shot him? I said, yeah, he was coming right back at me. What had happened, as I'm texting him, I look out the window, and here comes this bear coming straight across right in front of me. He sees me in the blind. Now, here's the thing about bears. They always want to leave you alone. You know, they, they don't want any part of you. They really don't. But when you have a bear that can see you, hear you, and smell you, and he comes toward you, You've got a rogue bear. You've got a problem going on here. And as I'm sitting there looking at him, he sees me, picks up the pace, and starts coming right at the front of the blind. No time to grab the bow. No time to get an arrow out. Like, that's going to do anything with a bear coming right at you. I mean, we're talking this thing is only about eight yards away. I reached down, grabbed my .30-06, pulled it up. When I put the scope, all I could see was the, the hair of the bear, squeeze the trigger, dump the bear on the spot. As I'm sitting there realizing what had just happened, I looked down at my hands, and my hands were shaking. I mean, they began to shake uncontrollably. Um, I'll, I'll make sure that on this episode, I post a picture of that bear so you can see it. Crazy-looking bear. It's it's a what they would call a, a black bear in a blonde face, but the fur is incredibly long, and it was a very long bear. But my buddy, um, who's been listening to the podcast, I want to give a hey a shout out to Kevin. You know, his his daughter was working um, as I think was a biologist, and she said one of these bears. What it looks like is one of the ones that they were finding. Uh, black bears were were crossbreeding with uh, some of the brown bears in the other part of the state. But with the aggressiveness of the bear, it, it all made sense. So I get a hold of my buddy, and he heard me shoot the rifle, and he goes, "What did you just shoot?" I said, "Dude, you're never going to believe this." And he comes back, and I begin to tell him the story. And he said, so when you're telling me when you were on the porch that God was speaking to you to tell you to take your gun? I said, yeah. And then I said, three times, you know that path. You've walked it. It twists and turns. God made me take the longest way every single time because had I gotten there 10 minutes sooner is exactly the time when that fresh pile of dung bear was still steaming, and he tore the blind apart. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for everything that he does in our life. And we have to, you know, I think many times we become like doubting Thomas. You know, he he wanted to, to see the nail scars in Jesus' hands to, to, to be sure that it was really him. But I knew that voice that God was speaking to me with. I knew him. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to have to shoot something with a gun, I guess. I didn't know what was going to unfold. But there's a scripture in John 10, 27. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. You know, there comes a point when, when we are looking at our purpose that we have to make a decision. Are we doing that thing, that purpose, because we're trying to please God, to get his good favor, favor or to look good to somebody else? Maybe someone told you, well, this is what you should be doing with all your gifts and talents. 
You know, I think if we walk down that path, we're going to discover that it, it leaves us disappointed. It leaves us with anxiety, with fear that we're not going to be enough when our focus is pleasing God. And I've said before, you cannot please God unless you trust him first. And so we have to look like it's almost like there's a sign. One way says pleasing God, one way says trusting God. And we have to get to the point where we realize we have to make the right choice. And the only way we can do that is listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, as I talked about in the last episode about following our spiritual GPS, you know, that God's positioning system, there's a, a neat story uh, from, from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It was a, it was a Roman village, and there was a, a hillside up above it. And in the dark of the night, there was an, an enemy who was going to attack this, this Roman city. But the one thing that the enemy didn't know was up on that hillside was a flock of geese. And if you know anything about geese, some of you hunters out there, you know geese, man, they are always watching. Maybe you've walked around a lake somewhere exercising. If you have, you know, geese, they've laid eggs or whatever. I mean, they'll get on your heels. I mean, they're always paying attention. It's like when you go hunting. For you bow hunters that love to hunt whitetails, you know, when you're up in that tree stand and you've got a maternal doe coming through, she sees everything. She smells everything. The only, you know, the only thing that, sorry, sound like Porky Pig there for a second. The only thing that a whitetail can't smell is nothing. That's how well, I mean, they, they rival the smell of a bloodhound. That's how good they smell. So when you have that maternal doe coming through, um, she is paying attention. She can smell everything and she sees any movement. Geese are like that on steroids. And so when the Romans in the dark of the night begin to hear the geese sound up, up on that hillside, they knew something was up. So in that moment, they got the city ready. They put the drawbridge up. Everything that were protected because they were listening to the voice of the geese. And so it became known in the in the ancient Celtic um, tradition. It became known as chasing the wild goose. That's where that came from. So learning to listen to the voice of God is how we really do discern when He is speaking to us. But here's the thing: just like you know those those instances, like with with the bear charging, some of these crazy stories that I've told you about, fear can keep you from wanting to move into those, the adventure that God has just for you, that purpose. And the other thing that the enemy will use against you to, to not walk into your purpose is shame. Remember back when you did this? You know, I don't think that pleased God. He loves to be able to bring all those things up. And that's why we've talked about we have to renew our mind with who we are in Christ and get truth back in front of us when the enemy comes after us with fear and shame. Because God has a purpose. And those two things, if, if you don't listen to the voice of God and renew your mind, they will keep you, um, keep you paralyzed. And they'll, they'll keep you from moving forward and fulfilling that purpose that God has you know, just for you. There was a book um, I read a few years ago when I was really going back and looking a little deeper at purpose. You know, it's one thing, guys, to say, what is my purpose? But when we find that purpose— now what? What do we do with that? And there was a book, uh, it's called The One Thing. I think it's by Gary Keller was the, was the author of the book. And it, when I'm thinking about where am I headed, he talked about momentum. You know, when you have purpose, you got to do something. You don't just leave your car in neutral. You have a car, like purpose. You have a car, but you have to put it in gear to get that thing to go where you want it to go. And so there was a scientist years ago, and he, he took 
like dominoes. He cut them. I think it was out of plywood is what he did. But he made the first domino just two inches tall because he's going to be showing the power of momentum as we begin to follow that purpose and move forward. If we stay busy with these and stay faithful to that purpose, things begin to fall forward, which is exactly what he, he wanted to show with this. So the first domino was only two inches tall. Now, as he creates each domino after that, he is doubling the size of each domino. So by the time the first one at two inches, by the time he creates the number 18 domino, it's no longer just two inches high. The 18th one progressively doubling in size is now as high as the leaning tower of Pisa. That's how tall it is. By the time he got to number 23, um, it was as tall as the, the Eiffel Tower. By the time, I get this, by the time he got to number 31, it was 3,000 feet taller than Mount Everest. That's nuts. And by the way, one of our guests we're going to be having on before too long um, climbed Mount Everest, so you'll be hearing from him. But by the time he got to the 57th domino, it was almost the distance to the moon. So that just begins to show you when you begin to domino forward, when you begin to put these things in front of you with your purpose, things will begin to, to grow very quickly. But here's what I want to take us to. You have to know the order and the ingredients to put into all these things so that your purpose that we've, we've talked about will end up profiting others, which is exactly why God gave you that purpose. So I created something. It's called the Purpose Funnel um, is what it is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run down through these things and just kind of show you what it looks like. What do you do next? And what I want to do is show you each one of these. And there are, let me, let me count them here. One, two, three, four, five, six of these ingredients that you need to have as you're moving forward. The first one is you need to understand before your purpose is that you were planned by God. God put you here for this time for his reason. Let's go back to uh, Genesis. He says, you know, then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God made mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now listen, male and female, he created them. Man, right now, there's a lot of people that are really, you know, they're going, you know, who am I, really? And we see things happening in our culture right now that are, are going, you know, is, am I, was I made female, but I'm male? No. God made them male and female. And it's something that until we, we begin to know his voice and trust him, you know, what the way of the world is really going to try to confuse us and throw us off. And that's why I never throw out my opinions. I throw out what the word says is true. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So understand, number one, is that you were planned by God. The next thing is, is your purpose. God made you with a purpose. And how do I always start this when I'm seeking purpose? It always starts with prayer, going to God first. It's his voice that you have to learn. So you've got to spend time with him. So when we look at purpose, let's look at, uh, let's go to Ephesians. Like, uh, let's go to 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, purpose, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 16, 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord 
establishes their steps. He has a plan for you. Those are the breadcrumbs we've been talking about. So it's really, really important to understand that God is the one who is establishing your steps. It was uh, John Eldridge had said this quote. He says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive because what the world needs are men and women who have come alive. You know, when you're looking at your purpose, it's that thing, like I've said, that you are so passionate about that you can't not do. So then what do we do now that we, we, we realize we're planned by God, that we were made with a purpose for God's purpose? What do we do next? You know, I was, I was in the martial arts for, for quite a few years, different martial arts. And I remember my one um, sensei or sasuk uh, saying to me in one of the styles, he says, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Perfect practice makes perfect. It's really important that as we're moving forward, that perfect practice is the Word of God. When we, re- when we can renew our mind with what He says is true, our belief system is now being shaped, lining up with His Word. So now our thoughts, emotions, and actions will follow accordingly. So what does it look like to practice? Practice is the next one out of this, this chain we're talking about. Practice looks like putting on the armor of God, you know, so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. You know, it says in Scripture that after you've done everything to stand, it says, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. We're instructed to take up the shield of faith, you know, the sword of salvation, you know, or the, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You have to equip yourself. That's what the practice is. It's the renewing of your mind. Uh, what was it? Philippians 4.9 says, you know, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So then after practice, you know, what comes, what comes next? So we've had plan by God. We've had purpose, um, practice. The next thing is it's priorities. Discover the main thing and keep the main thing the main thing. We have to learn how to prioritize because, you know, there's going to be a lot of things um, that are going to pull at us. There's a, a lot of people out there that are gifted in, in a lot of different areas. I remember the, the pastor where I used to be on staff, he'd say, Brandon, he goes, you know, you're a really gifted person. Well, that's good and bad because I could never figure out what I was supposed to do. And I become a jack of all trades, master of none. I would get my, my, my feet going in too many directions and I would never focus on keeping the main thing, the main thing. So what is the main thing? Well, Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. It starts with prayer, seeking what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is. I love Paul's words when he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3.14. So we're, we're called to press on, to keep moving forward no matter what. And I don't know if you're like me or not. I, I make to-do lists, right? I'll get up in the morning. I'll get my piece of paper. I did it this morning. And I get a marker or whatever, and I'll write down you know, my, my to-do list. Well, I've learned something about myself, and maybe you're like this. I'll put a whole bunch of stuff on that to-do list just so I can cross them off to make myself feel like I did a lot in that day. So I've had to kind of redo that because I'll 
I'll do a lot of things that really didn't have to be done today, which is taking me away from doing the main thing and keeping the main thing the main thing. So here's what my to-do list looks like now. I have a could-do list. The could-dos are the things, yeah, I could get that done. I, I might you know, be able to mow the grass today, you know, whatever. And then I have a should-do. These are the things I really should do. You know, I need to make sure that I get that bank deposit made and, and balance a checkbook or all those things. But then I have something called the must-dos. See, the could-dos take away a lot of time, and so do the should-dos. But what is the, what's a must-do? It's that thing that I absolutely have to do if I want to be able to move forward. So that means I have to, the next thing, I have to prioritize. So in priorities, what what I'm doing with this, I talked about, you know, discovering the main thing being the main thing. Well, now how do we do that? You know, you hear a lot of people talk about multitasking. Well, here's the thing about multitasking. Um, There's really no such thing. You know, people say they can do it. But the second you, your attention gets divided and you begin to do something else, you now are no longer totally focused on that one thing. And that one thing is now suffering because it's not getting your full attention. Think about like if you're at work. Okay, so we've gone from the, you know, the, the crazy stories now back to the home front. So an interrupted workflow, let's say you're sitting at your desk at work. You've got a primary job you're supposed to be doing. And then you minimize and, and maximize your Facebook or Instagram, or email, or you're texting somebody, something about, you know, going to go fishing next weekend. You now have a distraction, and it causes an interrupted workflow, which is going to, to slow down the thing you're trying to get done for your purpose. And then when you reorient, now you're having to switch back to what you had to get back to what your primary work was. So your start time and your finish time just got extended an incredible amount of time, and you probably lost a lot of focus, meaning you you lost a lot of the edge that you had when you were really focused on what you were doing. But what happens if we have a focused workflow on that purpose that we're doing? Now, we've prioritized everything. It's no more the could-dos and should-dos, but now it's the must-dos, and we focus on getting it done and not multitasking. Uh, was it, I think Stephen King, the author, he only works four hours a day, if I remember reading that right. It's like eight o'clock until noon. That's all he. That's, and he's one of the you know the most pro- prolific writers. If you enjoy his stuff, and then the rest of the day he can go work out, he can go play with family time, whatever he wants, because he has a fo- focused workflow. So that leads us to our next thing, which is productivity. If you want to be productive, which is why you were given a purpose, you've got to work at it with all your heart. That's what it says in Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. And then Proverbs 21.5, it says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. There's a, what's it about the young bull and the old bull? I don't know, Eric, have you ever heard that before? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you've got, I don't know if you guys have heard this or not, but you've got a young bull and an old bull, and there's a bunch of cows down in the valley. And the young bull says to the old bull, hey, let's run down there and mate with all those cows, or and, you know, with one of those cows. And the old bull says, how about we just walk down there and we mate with all of them? Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I don't know if you like that story or not, but there's, there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. You know, when we can prioritize um, and stay focused on what we're doing, uh, we're just going to get a lot more, a lot more done. So your purpose, remember you're planned by God. 
and he gave you a purpose. And that purpose drives your passion. It's that thing that you can't not do. And that passion is driven by practice. The more we practice, the more things begin to happen. And that practice now drives your priorities. Your priorities now drive the productivity, which is what you're able to get done. The more you can prioritize, the more productive you're going to be. And the more productive we are, the end goal is that it actually um, profits others. That's why God gave us these these, uh, purposes, these gifts. Let me just kind of bring it back around as we get ready to close here. I want to tell you um, just something about following the breadcrumbs that God has for you. Remember when I was saying earlier that fear and shame can keep us from moving forward and fulfilling the purpose that God has just for us? I want to take you back to that same location, maybe only about a half mile away from where that bear story happened. And I was hunting one of my buddies named Tim. He was up the hill from me. He had shot an elk. I called an elk in for him. I think it was the day before. But as I was standing down below him, about 80 yards, just out of eyesight from him, there was a little meadow that opened up. It was 32 yards wide, I know, because I I used my rangefinder to to tell how far apart it was. And I'm bow hunting again. And so I see this bear coming up from the bottom. Now, I did have a bear tag this year. I was hunting with my bow. And as I get the bear right where I want him at about 32 yards, there's an opening in the meadow. Um, I pinwheeled him, you know, with my broadhead, sent the arrow exactly true where it needed to be. But in that moment, what happened next, I wasn't expecting at all. That bear pinwheels around and full charges me 32 yards away. I mean, he's, I mean, just his mouth is open. He's coming straight at me. Now, this is pretty crazy. I've got leafy camo, which means it's got like fake leaves all over it. And the way that my hunt is set up, I'm tucked back into this oak scrub and I have the sun in the bear's face so he can't see me, but the wind is in my face so he can't smell me. So I have the advantage, but I think it's almost like a bee. A bee knows, like if you throw a rock at it, it knows what direction that came from. The bear honed right in on where that arrow came from. Full charges. The thing passes within three feet of me. I literally could have tapped it on the top of the head as it walked by, but I never moved. I stood firm, didn't flinch. Now, I couldn't tell you in the moment if that's what I had planned, but that's what I did. And when the bear, when it was coming up the hill, I stopped it. I made a sound. I went, man, a lot of you bow hunters know exactly what we're talking about to get an animal to stop. And my buddy Tim hears that. And so he waits about 10 minutes. He comes walking down the hill and he says, hey, how big was the elk you shot? Because he heard it hit. I said, dude, it was a bear. And he looks in front of me about eight feet away, and he sees the bloody arrow laying in front of me, and he goes, you shot him at eight feet? I said, no. I said, that's where the arrow fell out. I said, I shot him at 32 yards, and he can see the blood trail pass within three feet of me. He goes, he almost ran you over. I said, yeah, no kidding. Well, it's getting dark out. We give the bear, like you always do, you guys know they're hunters, you give the bear about 30 minutes if you know it was a good hit to expire. Well, by this time, it's, it's getting really dark. We're in the mountains of Colorado we have our headlamps out, and for whatever reason that day, I didn't carry a sidearm, which I usually do when I'm in bear country. And we're walking down through this oak scrub, and it is so thick, you can't move. It's like little tunnels. You're, you're moving the scrub away and, and stepping through it, trying to get through. And we finally get down through this thing, and I can hear the bear expiring. But it's too thick, and there's no way in the dark I'm going to get that close to the bear. So my buddy pulls out his GPS, marks the spot. We go back to the cabin come back the next morning using the GPS. And that's exactly how we were to find our way back to the bear. Now, we talked earlier about, you know, God's positioning 
system, you know, being able to follow the breadcrumbs. You know, those in the military, we had my buddy Roger on a couple podcasts, who was a former military. You know, they learned to listen and trust their leaders. His son is getting ready to go into BUDS training to become a Navy SEAL right now. He's having to learn to listen and to trust his leaders. If we're going to engage in the purpose that God has just for us and truly become the resistance against evil um, in this world, we have to learn to listen to that voice. And then we have to follow. We have to be obedient. Guys, God's given you a purpose. And that purpose that he made for you was divine and it was made just for you and it was made to add value to others. But the beautiful thing is when you're walking in that, it will make you feel alive like nothing else ever has. I want to invite you to stop being like Doubting Thomas, you know, putting your fingers in the wounds to see if God's really in this. Trust him. It's time to stop doubting and believe. Thanks for joining us, guys. And uh, remember, we're the resistance. Your strength is needed. We'll see you next time.